Make sure the volume's correct. What animal would you have sex with if you had to? I think you know the answer to that question. <laughs> Werewolves Don't aren't animals. <laughs> Listen, this was you. I was content to be mortified by that. And then you were like, oh. So you want to fuck werewolves? And I was like, no, I don't. And you're like, oh, yes, you do. That's clearly what it is. And this, here we are three years later. It, and, and it hasn't changed. No. It's the same. <laughs> the desire remains. The awakening. <laughs> I still, it's, uh, so every time I come over, I, I plan on giving you this book that is in the car. And we keep it in the car specifically to give you. <laughs> and it is a compilation of werewolf romance short stories. Oh my god. And it has probably been in the car. It's been in the car enough times that when I take it and vacuum the seats, like I have to move it. <laughs> and I've done and like got like full car washes. <laughs> it is it is a lived in that car. Oh. We'll just keep this. My legacy. <laughs> this is this is now your recorded legacy. What uh alright, let's say you got you got the run of the zoo. Mm -hmm. The zoo's yours. You can pick any any animal you want to to weaponize against whatever country deems you the most patriotic. What animal would you choose? A tiger. Yeah, and what would you No, well you Tigers. What would you modify with it? How would you weaponize the tigers? I'd make them like Oh, you know, like the the love, death, and robots that bear. Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. do that, but with tigers. <laughs> that would be. Good. I mean, I think you could really just drop any animal anywhere that's not native to mm -hmm. those fighters, and like, you wouldn't need to weaponize like a group of silverback gorillas. And if you just dropped it in yeah. whatever area, like they're not going to expect it. Right. <laughs> now I do a tiger because they're already fucking yeah. savage, and then. Yeah, it would be, and then it would get out of hand, and it would like take over the world. And that right. would be the that would be how I would start my apocalypse. Too. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta start fighting against the, the like, things you these made. monsters a like true tigers. Frankenstein story. I would, <laughs> that's how I would bring balance to the <laughs> Cull the herd. There was that story of like this elephant that was wronged, mm -hmm. and it like went to the lady's funeral and like trashed the funeral. <laughs> Because, like, elephants can remember and hold grudges like crows. Right. No one cared because everyone knows elephants are good. Yeah, elephants aren't just going to attack you. They're such wholesome beings. They like humans. If, <laughs> they, have the, they did a study on them, and they have the same reaction to us as when humans see, like, puppies. Aww. Yeah, and so they, like, see us as small lap dogs, <laughs> which I guess to them we are. We do ride them. <laughs> no, my... Back when I was younger and I was more willing to, like, watch people die. Um, <laughs> well, you know, like, when you're younger and, like, the internet was such a lawless, horrible place. And yeah. yeah the, so. the bear man. Yeah. The guy. You're absolutely right, actually. I had oh, a, the grizzly I, story? Yeah, I had a recording of his death and yeah. I had a recording of the Jameson Massacre. That was the only thing <laughs> that was on my Spotify. On my, it's still there on my, my old, still, old laptop. Just to listen to my, Well, not just anymore, to... but I downloaded it off of LimeWire. You know. <laughs> Along with... Uh, Dozen other problems. I wanted to. I just I don't know. You, you know when it's presented to you. I just wanted to hear this man get eaten alive. Well, I mean, it is what, grotesque, are you not though. curious? It like, is. It is a haunting. The, his girlfriend recording. did not want to go there either. Like yeah. that was the thing. She was terrified of the bears. She didn't want to be there. Yeah. And then he was like, "Well, we're gonna stay longer." And she was like, "I don't want to do this." And he was like, 
well, I don't fucking care. And she's yeah. like, well, I don't want to leave. And, and then, then it wasn't the right bears because it was like entirely new bears. <laughs> it was, no, it was the same bears, but there was one bear that even he was like, this bear is oh, fucked oh, up. Like he was like, if I'm ever going to be eaten by a bear, it's going to be this motherfucker. And you know who ate him? That motherfucker. And if then I'm dead, look for this bear. He went out to pee and yeah, it ate him. And then yeah. it got into the girl's tent and yeah. ate her. Well, because like you can hear him uh, like telling her to like run because mm-hmm. he's like trying to like hold it back while he's getting eaten alive and like it is grotesque because yeah. uh Werner Herzog did a whole documentary yep. on it and I just remember like he listened to it and like uh the guy's like I think it was like his ex-wife at the time mm-hmm. and he was just like no you shouldn't you should, you should just burn this like don't listen yeah. to it <laughs> when Werner Herzog's like no yeah yeah exactly no. it's like it, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> ah. You could almost, well, you probably couldn't weaponize a squid. That would only be so useful. A kraken. <laughs> Killer whales. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, God. Orcas are terrifying. I know. Mm. Especially when you abort their children. <laughs> uh, I'm just, this is the intro now. Uh, even though five minutes have passed, it's the newest episode of the Pole Cleaner Hour, and it's our third collab episode with. My bestie, Mira. Hey. Hey. That's perfect. That's a perfect shout-in. <laughs> what up, guys? It's your girl, Mira, here in the house. <laughs> Special guest star of the night. Top five weaponized animals. Top five weaponized animals. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so weaponizing animals. We've done it a long time. Basically, since the dawn of man. I guess, like, the moment we figured out we could ride something, we were like, now we can use it for evil. <laughs> but we're going to we're gonna skip quite a ways ahead, and I'm just going to open this I uh, this topic, I suppose, in 1957 with Operation Blue Peacock, a.k.a. the chicken-powered nuclear bomb, <laughs> which is <laughs> a very big upgrade for the chickens. They're like, look, we're going to kill them. Just please refer to them as peacocks. It's what they've always wanted. But around 1957, the UK was getting their shit kicked in by thousands upon thousands of bombs getting dropped on them. And with this apocalyptic setting, they also felt it was only a matter of time before the Soviets would assault them. The UK designed a nuclear landmine <laughs> that would be placed in West Germany to stop a hypothetical Soviet assault on the rest of Europe. Since the landscape was already essentially gone, they decided to just go full scorched earth. So everyone in the area dies. No advancements because there's not going to be any land to advance on. So, <laughs> so these, these beautiful madmen of their time ordered four 16,000-pound containers that each would hold a colossal nuclear warhead with two firing units. The warheads are roughly based on the country's first created nukes dubbed the Blue Donabu. Is that how you pronounce Donabu? Don, Danube? D- the Blue Danube. <laughs> so, <coughs> just one of these day ruiners was expected to create a crater that would stretch 375 feet across and 640 feet if detonated well enough below the ground. These bombs would cause damage that would equal about half the force of one of the nukes that we dropped on Japan. And they're, they wanted to turn these into landmines. <laughs> the biggest misstep of your life. Oops. 
The main issue, though, was that it was winter, and there was a fear that it was going to be too cold. And if it was too cold, the bombs couldn't be set off from any remote location. But we really wanted to set these bad boys off. So a British nuclear physicist, the kind of person that would often automatically be seen as the smartest person in the room, took a few moments to think. <laughs> and just sitting back with what I imagine to be a Dr. Strangelove-style grin, this man says, How about we put a chicken in the bomb containers? <laughs> Naturally getting some looks, he elaborates a little more. We put live chickens in the bomb containers. We put feed in there with them so they don't peck at the wiring. <laughs> the chicken's natural body heat would warm up the bombs and then be ready to explode. After a hushed silence fell over the room, some engineers suggested wrapping the triggering units in fiberglass instead. But shut up, nerd, we're using chickens! <laughs> the physicist probably retorted. So two prototypes were built and ten were ordered. They worked on this project for years until people were like, not only should we not be sacrificing chickens for not just an ethical reason, but this is an era where meat and eggs should be used properly. But also, maybe we shouldn't shower our homeland in nuclear fallout. And the project was scrapped entirely. <laughs> I like to think, so in World War II, I just read about this. Mm. Um, about the chickens? No. Oh. <laughs> about... So a science, they, they were trying to figure out like how to like land boats because the Nazis kept like bombing their boats. Yeah. So they couldn't dock safely anywhere, and someone was like, "We should build a portable." You know, like just being a smart ass because <laughs> it was like, "I don't know what else to do." Yeah. And they were just like, "Oh, maybe we should." And I imagine this is the same situation where the scientist was like just being an asshole, like, <laughs> like absolutely. "Well, you're chickens. Here we go. We'll do this, this, and this." And people were just like. Oh yes and he was like no no and he's like i hate being smart no no no, no. <laughs> and they were like yes 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 it's like Fuck. my legacy i have become death <laughs> destroyer, destroyer of chickens <laughs> oh oh that like can you imagine just i mean like chickens are dumb yeah already like but just like that is your your purpose of life like <laughs> do you think you'd hear the squawk like before the nuclear-sized explosion happens, <laughs> that would become the new like noise of death. Like millions it's like of somebody people. just somebody hacks like soundtrack life, <laughs> so it's just the, the instead of like a confetti sound. Sometimes when you shoot people online, it's like a chicken squawk. Yeah, like that's the noise you hear before like millions of people die and you're stricken with horrific cancer for like generations to come. Like classic UK move. <laughs> Uh, furthering weaponizing things of the aviary <laughs> variety, we have Project Pigeon. It's not cleverly named, but it's still wild as hell. During World War II, when everyone was throwing out every idea they had, one dude was like, yo, what if we had pigeons guide bombs like miniature kamikazes? This man, behavioral analysis, author, innovator, poet, social philosopher, and Harvard professor of psychology, Burhaus Frederick Skinner was that guy which is the only name you can have if you're going to use kamikaze pigeons inspiration found him when he saw some everyday birds flying in a perfectly arranged formation suddenly i saw them as devices with excellent vision and extraordinary maneuverability could they not guide a missile was the answer to the problem waiting for me in my own backyard it's such a level of unhinged the U.S. Navy really wanted some weapons capable of countering the notoriously badass German Bismarck battleships. Even though missile technology did already exist, the guidance system had yet to be finely tuned and were largely seen as useless. 
Skinner sought government funding for his super top secret project by telling them he would train pigeons to guide the missiles via tapping a target on screen with their beaks to control the direction. <laughs> it is like, like Eggman from Sonic the Hedgehog levels of nonsense. Right? <laughs> the front end nose of the missile would be split into three compartments with a lens projecting an image of the intended target onto the screen at the front. Those trained street birds would peck at the center of the screen, causing the missile to fly straight, while off-center pecks tilted the screen, which would alter the missile's course. There was a series of cables attached to the pigeons' heads inside their cockpits that would mechanically move the <laughs> missile as they pecked. <laughs> and just, at no point... <laughs> At first, the government was like, no, I'm not putting the lives of our men in the hands of pigeons. But Skinner was like, that's dumb. Watch how cool this is. And all of his test runs were successful. Pigeons were fearless in the cockpit, and the sounds of war didn't distract them because the fucking pigeons. <laughs> and even though the birds exploded at the end, the government and Skinner saw them as pests anyway. So the National Defense Research Committee said fuck it and gave him $25,000. Skinner was so pleased with the birds that he vowed never to experiment with rats again. <laughs> Still gonna murder those birds, though. <laughs> However, even though it was all success, his project was terminated. The U.S. military as a whole just didn't want anything to do with it. Skinner was disappointed and bitter, but would go on to earn several accolades in his true field of psychology, which is alarming. Four years later, the Navy brought him back and thought about doing it again, but by this point, electronic guidance systems were more reliable. Skinner still had birds he trained, and to everyone's surprise, he found out they could still understood and still knew how to do their combat training. He found that they retained their abilities up to six years after teaching it to them, proving that pigeons are not only smart, but should be used as death pilots. Are you thinking of that when a, the pigeon on the bus? Don't <laughs> let the pigeon drive the yeah, noose. Yeah. <laughs> it's so like I think we I think we as a society have become too soft with animals. <laughs> that being said, I just can't imagine being like I'm gonna raise and nurture and care for this bird just to send it to be murdered. To be a kamikaze. Yeah, not like to be eaten like. We, my dad has chickens, and we, we, we butcher and process them, and, like, but they're treated well, yeah. they're fed, and then they get eaten, like, they serve yeah. a purpose, they're we're not, not like, exploded. shipping it off to the neighbors to go murder them, like, but now that being said, that would be, like, that would be, like, a chicken run, but, like, with pigeons, like, yeah. that would be an amazing, like, red wall style, like, booger movie. I would movie. watch that. Like, <laughs> the these chickens trying to escape <laughs> their, their fate. So, uh, we've gone from pigeons, or for, we've gone from chickens to pigeons. We're going to stay in the air with bats. And this is the bat bomb, and it's kind of insane. Lytle S. Adams was an American dentist from Irwin, Pennsylvania, who technically had no ties with the military at all. But one day when he was on vacation in New Mexico, he found himself fascinated by bats, in particular their great strength considering their size. This day was also Pearl Harbor. Like most Americans, Lytle found himself in a rage and vowed revengeance. Revengeance. Lytle knew some things, and one of those things was that Japanese architecture was a lot of wood and a lot of paper. So burning everything to the ground was the most effective means of retaliation. Letting his anger overpower his general empathy for living animals, his fascination for bats turned into how do I weaponize them? <laughs> 
Within a month, this dentist concocted his idea and sent a letter to the White House with his plan. He would attach incendiary devices to the bats and have them stuffed in a missile that would be sent to Japan. The missiles would open and release the bats that would fly down and roost in the nooks and crannies of Japan's wooden buildings. After some time, the incendiaries would ignite and burn the city to the ground. Had this guy not had direct ties to Eleanor Roosevelt, the president's wife, it would have probably been tossed out. But this news reached her, which then reached FDR, who was like, okay, but what if? <laughs> With a great sigh from R&D, some scientists, making me lose my spot, got startled, it started and immediately ran into some problems. Bats are small. Everything would need to be really light. Also, when you tie something to a bat's foot, they will immediately try to take it off. So they knew they'd have to glue napalm or phosphorus directly to the bats, which would now change the weapon into a suicide mission. They created carriers that would hold a thousand bats and gave it a test run anyway. Immediately, the bats scattered upon release and burned down one of the army's own bases. Good. For some reason, this bothered the army so much that they handed the project to the Navy, who then emitted it to the Marines. <laughs> and this is after they're like, stop giving us your bird plans. <laughs> The Marines would then set up a mock Japanese town and test it out. They found this actually worked better than some of their standard firebomb missions. The sheer chaos of it all was effectively devastating. But bats are extremely important, by the way. <laughs> like, they're not just cute, but avid pollinators like bees. So the world would not function without bats. But after spending $2 million in research and fuck knows how many bat deaths, the project was scrapped because the atom bomb was built. When looking at the bat bomb and nuclear warheads, the government was like, well, let's go with the one more likely to murder innocent people. So, <laughs> but technically, so all of these are kind of like, technically I get it. I get the logic of it. But they're they're just already were alternatives. Right. Like, <laughs> well, like, I mean, that guy has to hate Oppenheimer too. He's just like, motherfucker, stole <laughs> my thunder. <laughs> this was my idea. <laughs> but also like the army being like, it's your problem. Yeah. And then Air Force being like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, We're not. Hear me out here. It's not birds. <laughs> it's not birds. It's bats. They're trying to take our jobs. God damn it. They took our jobs. They took our jobs. <clears throat> Project Headgear, which sounds like a slur. Oh. <laughs> Declassified in 1971, the public found out about the military trying to train sharks. The thought alone is absolutely absurd. But starting in 1958, scientists would strap a box to a shark's head and guide it via light electrical shocks. <laughs> sharks with lasers! Yeah. The plan was to then attach bombs to the animals and have them work as missiles. Because, of course, it would involve killing something that has nothing to do with anything. Oh my god. Naturally, sharks didn't really put up with this. The shocks just made them angry and th or thrash and go completely off course. They wanted to use sharks because they're stealthier and don't click or sing like dolphins. They also didn't show up on military radar because they don't have a swim bladder. This also means that when the sharks die, they sink, which would take all the project gear with them to the bottom of the ocean. And it's like, that's so much thought put into it, but you're still just like, Murdering. what if we yeah. electrocute sharks? <laughs> Another big reason is that the Navy was already fitted for shark training. For years prior, they had been working on shark repellents and experimenting on animals with ruthless consistency. At a certain point, even other lab techs were referring to the men in charge as a sadist with how much he liked to jab electrodes into living things. After a while, it was deemed too costly and the explosives the sharks could carry was too little. 
It wasn't canceled out for being too evil, just too expensive. They decided this was a better idea suited for land mammals, like dogs and donkeys, which is exactly what they did. Sometimes the military would just release donkeys into villages with explosives. But they probably thought it was okay because people were training dogs to run under tanks with mines strapped on their backs. And this is what my son wanted me to talk about. The tank dogs? Yeah. It was like a, make sure you talk about the tank dogs. He's like, can I come? And I was uh, like, no, absolutely not. Like, well, make sure you talk about the dogs. And I was like, what? We like, won't they used to have dogs. dogs. And he was like, they'd strap bombs uh, and they'd kill them. And it's horrible. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. That's so much worse than like. I was sad because we watched Old Yeller, and it's like, Rose sad because he learned about the tank dogs. <laughs> so much more of a visceral By the sad. time he hits Old Yeller, he's going to be like, yeah, but, yeah, listen. Okay, but it didn't explode. <laughs> At least Yeller. he just, you know, got rabies. So this whole nonsense has a surprisingly long history, but to streamline it, tank dogs were first utilized in World War I. Before trying to turn them into explosives, their tasks were limited to search and rescue and warning soldiers of attacks. In the 1920s, the Soviet Union thought, you know, dogs are really good at running. What if we put bombs on them and had them run at the tanks and go under the tanks and explode? Originally, they wanted to strap mines to the dogs and pull the cord like a leash that would drop the mine and have the dog run back. But when this didn't work, they just said, fuck it, just blow the dog up. <laughs> so they spent months training dogs to run at tanks and try to be fearless about doing so. But gunfire and tanks are loud. To train the dogs, these jackasses would starve them and hide food under the tanks they wanted to run towards. They would strap 20 pounds of explosives to the vest and hope that'd do the trick. They were able to condition them against single tanks, but on the battlefield with multiple tanks, it got very confusing. So more often than not, the dogs would get scared, turn from the tanks with the bombs on their backs, and run back to their commanders, blowing them both up. Which is poetically perfect. 40,000 dogs were sent into battle. Most were shot before making it to the tanks. The explosives didn't work properly, and at least six were recorded to have leapt back into the trenches where they came from and killed everyone around it. Which, like, you know, good, because fuck you. Right. Also, Russia trained the dogs with their own diesel tanks, and Germans used gasoline. So the dogs kept running at their own Russian tanks because they worked off their senses of smell. The Soviets continued trying to use tank dogs until 1996. The U.S. looked into it and surprisingly, after a year of R&D, decided not to do it. Not, you know, let's shut it down. Let's just not do it. Japan utilized 2,500 dogs and as recently as the skirmishes on Iraq's tank dogs are being used against the U.S. occupation forces until they were deemed too risky and for all the previous reasons and the local insurgents switched to blowing up donkeys, which sounds like a joke, but they did. They Because nobody would think to inspect the donkeys or if they did, it'd work like a car bomb. Where, yeah. Like you flip open the, the sack. <laughs> That's so fucked up. Like... Real, if real fuck. Not a fun one. Yeah. Not as fun as blowing up pigeons. Just, or, uh, it's a troll line of dogs, man. <laughs> or nuking chickens. <laughs> I got to meet a police dog recently. I was in a unit. Was it Chase? Um the police dog off patrol. Chase is on the case. I don't remember this dog's name, but they were like, we're bringing, the, they were like, we're going to bring in the drug dog to test. And my first thought was like, fuck, oh, fuck, fuck, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. Oh. I was like, wait, I'm at work. I'm fine. But then I was, so I, but I was like, oh my God, I love dogs. And I, I want to see the dog. And I'm like, oh, bring the dog in here. It's like, oh, you don't have to. I was just being nice. Oh. Um, but they brought the dog in to see me afterwards, which was super awkward, but yeah. he was a Malinois. Oh. Um, and um, I got to hear him snap. Yeah. Oh my god. That's scary. Like they call him alligators. Yeah. And like just like his jaw was just like, 
whack, <laughs> whack, whack. He's like, oh my God, okay, goodbye. <laughs> um, he was very sweet. Civil War goats. Civil War goats? That's, yep. what, that's what he wanted. I... Civil War goats. Does he have anything to say about the Civil I War will, goats? Well, Google this. All right. Next story. Next story. <laughs> we're gonna look up. We're gonna look up Civil War goats in real time. We got a special, special call in a caller for the show. Who somehow knew? Right. That we were live. What could a Civil War goat mean? There's I know. A, I'm trying. Is it to... some sort of bomb? Did they lace it with smallpox? I mean, Perhaps they slapped it and got real mad and had to charge at the other line <laughs> to break their line so they didn't look as decent <laughs> because they wanted to stand in a line. Civil War was dumb. Oh, Not so- like the Civil War reasonings, but like the let's stand at 10 feet across from each other. It was like the last of that type of war, isn't it? I think so. It's a book. Civil War, mm-hmm. Goats and Scapegoats. <laughs> I don't think Rowan understood the assignment. That's all right. That's okay. That's okay. Our our our, our special call-in guest has recommended this book, though, and perhaps I'll <laughs> I'll check out Civil War. It's a by H. Donald Winkler. Oh, that sounds like a Civil War author. Looks at the good, bad, and the ugly among the politicians and generals in the Civil War, North and South, organized into three parts: the Eastern Theater, the Western Theater, and Andersonville. Oh. The book describes major blunders made by generals and 17 battles. Oh. Not sponsored. By goats. Probably. How many goats are involved? How many? <laughs> I'm sure that goats existed then, but I cannot think. I, I know, I'm like Googling it still like, did they, what happened? <laughs> I still believe there's a, there's a possibility. Maybe they... Laced the goat milk. Ghosts? Oh, that says ghosts. Not ghosts. Maybe they lit them on fire and catapulted them. Do you, whenever I type, I always type wiki after stuff, so that, you know, oh. but I always misspell it as willy. Yeah. And I'm always <laughs> no. like, no, 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 no. Goat willy. <laughs> we are currently Googling goat willy to bring you this up-to-date <laughs> weaponized animal news. A Civil War ger- general's journey from goat to hero. Is uh, <laughs> was Paul Revere actually a goat? And one <laughs> one man, Brigadier General Thomas J. Wood, had a uniquely central role: first as a goat, then as a hero. Is this a true story? At the momentous hour, Wood was a few days short of 40, a slender, mustachioed Kentuckian and a career army officer who graduated from West Point and served with distinction in the Mexican-American War and in cavalry postings from the frontier. I don't know. Is he, like, are they saying he's the greatest of all time? Oh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's not an actual goat. (laughs) Maybe it's not. Son. (laughs) We wanted war animals. (laughs) Not prestigious generals. Just be like, all right, well, text me back when they strap missiles to Okay, here we go. What happened next is still subject to dispute. According to some accounts, Rosecrans accused Wood of failing to follow an order to move his division. Um, Something tolerate. I think he just was like... Oh, he's just good. Yeah. He he, was just the greatest. He was. But he was also a goat. He was the first furry of America. (laughs) In his goat persona, he would be king. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, he's just. He just made a really either a really good or a really bad call, <laughs> and like tied the, the spewed the tides of the battle. Someone's gonna hear this and just be screaming because right. they know they're gonna That's be like, "Not how it went." I know this guy, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Why don't you call me? You don't know shit about civil war. No, no, I don't know shit about civil war. <laughs> I know it seemed like it was hot all the time. And he one time a heart attack. We went to Connor Prairie, and I wanted to make sure I got the right hat. So I asked the lady, I said, which one's the good guy hats? And she says, I like to tell people there weren't good or bad. And I said, which ones weren't the Nazis? I <laughs> still want to be a racist. <laughs> which one? <laughs> and she was like, Get the blue one. Speaking of Nazis, can I tell you a horrifying story that Rowan sure. hit me up with yesterday? Yes. He really loves... The, Maybe like, we do need to get Rowan on the show. I know, right? <laughs> he loves World War II right now. And um, we, my, my dad loves German chocolate cake, and it was his birthday on Halloween. Oh, no. So we're eating cake, and this, this dude that works with my dad, who he has never met before. Like, Rowan does not know this man from Adam. Like, never met him before, right? <laughs> he walks up to Jeff, and he goes, you know... If we were in World War II, this would be called Nazi chocolate cake. Oh, my God. It just walks off. Oh, my God. He's <laughs> like, Rowan. That's amazing. You can't. He's like, well, it's true. I'm like, it's not wrong. <laughs> but you can't just say that to someone. You have to at least start out with, hello, my name is. And then be like. Hello, right. my name is Rowan. I think the Nazis are horrible people. <laughs> However, just so you know. You're eating alternate dimension Nazi cake. <laughs> <laughs> anyway 1914 there was a battle in Africa between British and German invaders <laughs> so it's like no one that's supposed to be there anyway um, but they're here regardless and they're destroying another nation's homeland because why would they destroy theirs the British wanted to take a piece of land called Tanga in East Africa, which is in Tanzania. The British Indian force walked in with nearly 9,000 men compared to 1,000 Germans, but they would find they were woefully unprepared for battle. Many of the Indian forces were undertrained, and the British were led by a major whose main concern was how everyone was dressed. Major General Arthur Aitken made this statement before his men went to war. There is one thing, gentlemen, about which I feel strongly, he told his officers. That is the subject of dress. I wish officers and men to be always tuned, turned out. I will not tolerate the appalling sloppiness allowed during the Boer War. That is all, gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I would go AWOL. Uniform on I fleek. I'm gone. <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? Not going to war for this jackass. Especially <laughs> half of your like army is like not wanting to be there because yeah. you've like already... like colonized their country. <laughs> yeah, the audacity of being like, all right, Indian War, you guys are joining us. Right? Like, I don't, we don't want to be here? Like, too bad! <laughs> so, uh, the 9,000 Brits and Indians marched through the jungle, and instead of going straight to the town, they intended to surround it. This gave the Germans plenty of time to dig in and prepare themselves. During the initial skirmish, someone on the British side shot a beehive, which pissed off a bunch of African killer bees. And often they swarmed the army. One man in particular suffered 300 stings on his head alone. The British were so overwhelmed by the fury of the bees that they dropped their guns, equipment, and anything else they needed and fled in a panicked retreat. The Germans held firm and the general was relieved of command. I would like to change my answer from tigers yeah. to killer bees. Weaponized bees. Yes. You could. 
you know, we need those bees. <laughs> no, just like the murder hornet type of bees, not like the good honey kind. I want it like those, you know, those big fucking, the hornet killer, or the, 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 the cicada killers. Yeah, big, yeah, yeah, Like massive wasps. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes, they're not aggressive, really. I but. feel like killer bees was along there with like quicksand, like when you're growing up. Or being, like, caught on fire. I just feel like there's, like, reports every summer of, like, there's killer bees coming up to Indiana. Yeah, or water moccasins. That was always yeah. the other big one. Like, whole family murdered by storm of water <laughs> murdered. murdered by, like, the most mild spite ever. There was a horrifying mm-hmm. case recently of a family that was taken out by potatoes. Oh, like potato rots? Yeah. Oh. The fumes, like, they I were storing it. them in the basement. Yeah. And, like, the dad went downstairs to, like, go get some potatoes, and the fume overwhelmed them and killed them. And oh, my the mom God. Went down. This, is, this happened recently. Um, the mom went downstairs to go check on the dad, and the same. She was overwhelmed by fumes. So the it's grandma like went. the cesspit story we talked about in the sewer exactly. episode. <laughs> so then the grandma goes downstairs, and she, like, is like, oh, fuck it. So she tried to go upstairs to, like, you know, like, she call, She was able to call the police. Yeah. Um, but then she died, too. And I think, what the hell? So then, like, this little girl, like, she's left without... Her whole family's dead. From potatoes. From potatoes, yeah. So don't so store you, your potatoes uh, in basements. Do you eat potatoes after that? Or no. are you are you off potatoes the rest? I mean, personally, you, I love potatoes. Oh, no. That, that, but, like, like, if you were that just girl, a little girl. If I were that... Yeah. No. Yeah. I wouldn't... You I wouldn't be able to... Potatoes. I would... You, I couldn't go to the produce section what of the grocery store. What if somebody offered you a, a, a sweetly made McDonald's fry... I mean, who can say no to that? <laughs> Unless she has a gluten allergy in that case. And what if she also had a gluten allergy? <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Would you curse God? <laughs> no. I think already. I think after my family dies to potatoes, I would probably that'd probably be enough. For me to be like, I don't think I'm going to do this like church int- thing. Intensive therapy. Yeah, oh my god, right? Yeah. Like, what what kind of test is this? Uh, what you no, know, you want how much money from me every week? Right? For, for this place? Screw your life. Like, <laughs> get out of here. Tiny 87-year-old Japanese lady named Chaiko Kikushi. That's how I'm going to say it. Kiko? Chaiko? Chaiko? Kikuchi. Kikuchi? That's her name? That's Marianne. That's it? She's, she loves it. <laughs> well, she's rolling along in her wheelchair on her way to visit her home from her retirement facility in 2017. All of the sudden, a swarm of Asian giant hornets descended upon her. These hornets are known for leaving gaping holes yep. in people's bodies. <laughs> the holes are large enough that you can put an average human no. pinky into them. Shh. <laughs> next story, next story. When witnesses saw her screaming and crying for help, they knew it was far too dangerous to put themselves in harm's way. So they watched and didn't do anything. The nursing home employee who was with her called for the fire department, and even they had to stand back, helpless to do anything as the massive swarm surrounds her. The attack lasted for 50 minutes, and she was stung 150 times to death. Oh my god. (laughs) So that's like a new nightmare right that's to just like be in the street and you're like yelling for people to help you <gasps> and you're just being stung to death that's horrifying oh yeah i looked up pictures no. of like those hornet stings and like that's not an exaggeration I it know, is like to right the now. knuckle are you you're looking it up right now Damn. they are grotesque um and they're talking that was the big scare after uh after our, our pandemic summertime was they said the next thing was like the murder hornets were supposed to be coming over here. That's these are the hornets they're talking about. Was the the murder hornets? Oh. Yeah, it's awful. 
And it's like just one of them like sends you to the hospital. Yeah, so the mm-hmm. the paramedics they have clothing to they ha- like they they weren't the the reason the paramedics didn't help her was that they had they they thought she had been taken to safety like they so they came. Oh my god! They have clothing <laughs> that they could have worn to help her, but, but they, they were understand. under the impression that she had been taken to a safe location. Oh my god! They should. <laughs> They just assumed that the people did the right thing and, like, drug the lady away from the hornets. That's so scary. Oh, my God. Oh, what type of hornet was this? There was the, the, the Asian killer hornets. Hornets kill around 20 people a year in Japan. They're so big. They're horrifying. They make, like, noise from flying. <laughs> they don't attack unless their nests are disturbed, so the the fact that they attacked her was, like, super rare. She might have just accidentally ran over it with her wheelchair. Ugh. But oh my god, they look horrific! Don't I? <laughs> I need to see my location, Google. Like, <laughs> You're looking at murder hornets. Oh my god! Let us tell us oh, your location. <laughs> the Coyote, Coyote Peterson. He, oh yeah, he let yeah. one sting him. He did. Oh, I love that man. I he is a he's a great dude. <laughs> I Roman can't watch the sting videos. The sting like, ones. She loves watching. Or she he is a he. My son. He <laughs> loves watching his videos, but if it's him getting stung or bit by stuff, like yeah. that's most of his show. I know. He's getting stung and bit. No, I love them. Oh I, I love every episode I have seen of that man. And people have tried to imitate it, and it is just not the same. They don't have that that charming X factor that that man's say, face You can't has. mimic that style of autism. That is, <laughs> that, is a, that is a man on the spectrum right there. I got another Hornet story for you. Do you? I do. Over the course of only three months in 2013, a swarm of hornets killed 41 and injured 1,600 people in Anking, China. One survivor of a hornet attack was picking vegetables in a field when she stepped on a nest of massive hornets hidden under the dirt. All of the nearby workers began running and trying to swat the insects away from them. One of the men who survived said that he grabbed a nearby basket, dumped the vegetables, and covered his head so that he could shield his eyes as he ran, and he witnessed one of his friends dying nearby. One citizen of Anking had said, God has been unfair to us about the hornets which is the biggest understatement of the year. The local fire department began setting the nests on fire with flamethrowers in an attempt to stop the invasion. My dad has run out. I mean, I'm sure any kid that has parents that have property. Um, my dad ran over a hornet nest one time while I was mowing. Yeah. Pretty traumatic. Yeah, no, that's scary. <laughs> like, I've never mowed a yard, and that is a big reason why. Yeah, every like, time I think about mowing, I think I should be smoking, because if you, like, you could try to blow smoke, I don't know if it's going to help right. if you run over them. You just, like, puffing at them. <laughs> you get attacked, so it's like, really in the Catholic Church is the incense <laughs> Yes, like, that's what I should have. Attach a couple of those. Like, swinging around my neck. <laughs> Ugh, I can't imagine, like... I have one more thing written here, and it's too sizzy wizzy. I I don't know if I meant to put more in here. Where are you going? (laughs) But uh, let's see what the tizzy wizzy is from past Joe. The tizzy wizzy. (laughs) What could it be? (laughs) Shy, water loving creatures. Tizzy wizzies are reputed to have a body of a hedgehog, the tail of a squirrel or fox, and a pair of bee like wings. Rumored to be seen in Cumbria since the early 1900s. And that's. All I have written. How could we make that into a weapon? <laughs> so I'm wondering. Was that part of like a, a cryptid know, episode? Maybe or? I was just writing it to see where it went. Maybe I made it up because let's be honest, not past Joe cannot be fully trusted. Like my uncle in the oh, fucking Monroe County snapping turtle. Yes, <laughs> which we did talk about in the one there. 
I think that was in our first one. Was it? Yeah, because right. we talked about local cryptids. I'm looking up Tizzy Wizzy right, right now. We're going to see what comes up here. Oh, no. Tizzy Wizzy cryptid immediately came up. And it does, in fact, have the body of a hedgehog, the wings of a dragonfly, the antenna of a bee, and a huge fluffy tail like a squirrel. That's pretty much what I have written. That's it. That's all you got. It's in the UK. It was originally seen by a fisherman, according to Reddit. And um, you can pay locals to take you to one of these hunts as well. That's, that is somebody food the tizzy wizzy. <laughs> this is, I like how it Aww, looks. It looks like a, cute. like a butchered taxidermy. It like does. one of those like fake, this is a mermaid, but it's a mummy or whatever. Oh my God. Do, speaking of taxidermy, <laughs> do you want to go on sale already? Yeah. Our tickets to, um, the Curiosities Expo. Oh yeah. I keep meaning to go to that. That's and the one in India, right? Yes. Yeah. I went last year. It was amazing. But. You can pay extra and you can go to taxidermy class. Oh. Oh. We could taxidermy. Yes. That would be fun. And then we start, we learn how to taxidermy. And then. And we do people. I feel like your brother. Oh, yeah. Probably knows how to acquire animals. <laughs> and then we start a taxidermy business. And we develop a taxidermy empire. And, and then we work for ourselves. Do we make them nice taxidermies or those grotesque, like, I'm going to put this corpse in the shape of frogs We do tennis. both. So we have, like, our, like, our mainstream business where, like, we taxidermy people's pets and, like, yeah. you know, the nice stuff. And then we have, like, the under the table. <laughs> the desecration. Really, like, that's our other username. Like, we have two separate, <laughs> two separate taxidermy lives. And it's, like, um... You know, like people like it's like underground like they know like there's like a coat like they come in and they're like um i would like the rambo special and you're like oh, oh. okay come with me and you push a button and like the lab flips over and it's just like this like decrepit like terrifying like what do you need we don't even keep that part clean right it's, it's just, just bloodied and sold foul and like oh this smell just wafts in what if it was offered for funeraries for people to have your loved ones taxidermy? Oh would you do it? No. Would you make them into a coat rack? No, I Or would you make wouldn't. them play tennis with a taxidermy frog? <laughs> no. <laughs> I also wouldn't, but I feel like... There's a market for... That, I there, think was, there was some rapper. That did that, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I wasn't, he wasn't like fully taxidermy, but like his body was like displayed out and like... A party position, and they people were like, oh, my oh God, yeah, what the yeah, fuck? yeah, yeah. And his parents were like, well, this is his thing. This is what he wanted to do, and it's like people were horrified. And it's like, well, that's he's not your relative, like, he, yeah. I mean, I mean, I feel like it's a little odd, but it's at a- the same time, <laughs> like funerals and like that kind of shit, like that yeah. person is dead. Like this is all for the living. Like this yeah. is yeah. this is how someone else grieves. So I don't really think it's your job as long. Like people are out there fucking them. Like yeah, you gotta, you gotta buy a lot of equipment to fuck corpses. It is a messy business. It's, it's, it's yeah. Well, we can go into it, but. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to do it. The, um, so well, I had a I had a spot with taxidermy and the people that I was. Oh, so like they paraded around uh, Jesse James's body yeah. for like ever. But if they could have like taxidermied that body and made it last longer. Oh my god! <laughs> Celebrities would absolutely get because they would feel it's some sort some sense of having like an immortality. So they're like who's cryogenics? Like there are yeah, some yeah, people yeah. that are frozen right now. Yeah. 
And uh, even though like you can't be revived from taxidermied, I feel like people would do it because they think it would be better. So like, yeah. I, I mean, because we already try to extend the body as much as possible by filling right. with so many toxins when we should just be throwing these corpses in the woods. There's a company that, and this is what I want to do when I die, is they, um, they degrade, they do like biodegrade. Yeah, like the tree pollens. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do that. Cemeteries are dumb. Like, we have massive fields of useless rock and turf. When it's like, if you make every person into a tree pod, then those trees can't be cut down because it's a memorial. Right? But can't be useful in life. And then people are like, like, oh, haunted forest. And it's like, okay, that sounds awesome. Right. Why is that a problem? Who's ever been mad about a haunted forest? Not me. Have you ever been into a forest? I would go into a haunted forest every day. Fuck anyway. I would befriend every haunted thing in the haunted forest. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry you might have a little razzle-dazzle in your life with the ghosts in the forest. Are you going into forests anyway? Like, what are you... And let's not act like you visit your your, your graves enough. I've never visited a grave before. I think I have once, and then I was like, I'm only doing this because I feel like I'm supposed to. Never of my own volition. Like, I've been with, like, my grandma to, like, put flowers on people's graves. I don't even know. Yeah. But, like... Did you know we had a witch grave here in Spencer? I do. Marcus and I used to go there all the time. But I think it turned out it wasn't a witch grave. It's not. It's just, like, a... It's just, I think it's like a sad story. It was like to stop like grave robbers because mm-hmm. they kept robbing like that specific grave. But it's it would also be really witches' cool. graves and it would be exactly the same. Um, they used to have to have bells that lead all the way down in case you got buried alive. I know, that's crazy. That's, that's a scary thought. That's, yeah. They talk about how you could like punch through the roof and like dig your way up, but I just don't know if it's going to happen. Nope. I'd be crippled with fear. I wouldn't. All right. Well, we are. Still recording, so... Right. <laughs> <laughs> I believe uh, that is all the stories I have. Do you have anything to add on weaponizing animals? Should we find better ways to do it? We probably shouldn't do it at all. Get a um, Jurassic World situation Right, Toriyama, he does, he does pictures of <laughs> dinosaurs um, with weapons and stuff, and it's really cool. Yeah. All right, well, that's all. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode that took me... A lot of strength and willpower to read my own words. <laughs> <laughs> you did it! But, Good job! And with that, we'll see you guys next Monday. Later. Bye! I gotta find the button. Outro!